We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to take a moment to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community Discord, an e-learning course full of tips and tricks, and on top of all of that, will help get your show pushed to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you're wanting to grow hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience acceptance into the program is limited so get your application in today to apply go to bwhustle.com forward slash join check out the description box in this episode for more information but that's bwhustle.com slash join Mahomes has the time delivers perfectly downfield touchdown Patrick Mahomes This time going deep for Beckham Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined by my co-host as always, one of the co-owners of RoadofHis.com, it is Sean Siegel. Sean, we had a, a really fun show earlier this week when we talked about some of the rookies mixing them in with the, the Superflex rankings and seeing where they would fall. Really enjoyed diving into that as we get as we get ready for rookie season. But uh, on today's show, we're going to look at something that I teased last week that I, I mentioned the listener the listeners should go and read on the site. If they did, I think they're going to get good insights uh, as we talk through uh, the thought process and the players involved. But if you haven't 
uh, gone and checked it out in the site. We're going to talk through it today. And we have done the first three parts of the series. It is part four with Sean and Sam Wallace uh, doing their startup dynasty draft. And looking forward to breaking into it sean because this is an area where i think round three round four is where you can get a lot of value but you can also start to make those moves that maybe uh you know kind of stand you out from the pack in terms of some of your roster decisions so looking forward to breaking that down it's been a really fun series to to read through and uh, it's gonna be a fun show today it is and sam has done a great job for anybody just catching up what sam and i are doing is we're doing a a dynasty draft off against each other where sam has a pick i have a pick and we just keep alternating we're both building six teams and we're trying to see who can have the best group of six teams versus the other but the other element of that is that we're looking at roster construction as a big element of it so it's not just picking the top player in our rankings but the guy who really fits the team as we're building that particular team so we'll talk about that a little bit today how you want to arrange your teams to dominate one of the interesting things in this mock when you contrast it with say the best ball superflex adp the quarterbacks in the first round were even heavier but then they fall off a little bit and i think that you're going to have that dynamic in dynasty startups where these veteran quarterbacks are not going to have quite the priority assigned to them that they would in a redraft league that they would in a best ball league where you really need to get three of those quarterbacks early to make sure you have that ability to optimize your starting lineup and to protect you against the other players the running backs and wide receivers get pushed down the board in those best ball leagues it's not necessarily going to happen in a dynasty startup where players really want to get those wide receiver and running back foundation pieces as well and they're more willing to take a risk on hitting that veteran late right so instead of being the guy who gets the first several picks in that qb2 tier you're trying to hit those later qb2 picks in a draft like what sam and i are doing you can maybe get even more a little a little more exaggerated version of that because we have these picks every couple of slots and so we can really play chicken with each other so if you're wondering why the quarterbacks fall down the board a little bit that's part of the dynamic now again it depends on how you want to put your team together i've mentioned several times that when you go and look at who the most dominant dynasty superflex players are in the industry you find that they do go fairly qb heavy make sure they have that locked down and then they have years and years and years to build out the rest of their lineup, especially if they get a couple of young guys. So it's that difference between the flip that we get when we go from the young quarterbacks to the old quarterbacks, where you have some ability to make some tactical choices to maximize the other positions. We're looking at round four today, and in Sam's article, he talks about how this is the sweet spot for trading back round four, round five, fairly flat in these dynasty startups so if you can move back if you're willing to give up maybe your guy in order to get multiple pieces that works out very well but at the same time column these guys are going in the fourth round they're going to be hard to pass up a lot of value here in super flex leagues yeah very much so and uh, just before sean we do dive into it i'm just obviously we'll have new listeners uh, all the time uh join join the board the listening crew but in terms of uh dynasty startups in particular and then obviously dynasty rookie drafts in terms of trading back i think that's somewhere where there's still a huge advantage to be had in leagues it's, you know it's not taking advantage enough like we'll be talking about players today and there'll be times where we might say i, I love this player this player this player so you have a, a four or five pick range to maybe drop back those picks but i think it's still something that most 
dynasty players or, and, and team owners aren't kind of taken advantage of would you notice that I, I know the leagues that you're playing in are going to have uh, there's going to be some very very sharp minds in it but uh, like there, there's obviously uh, a spectrum of players then that that aren't going to be taken advantage of that is something that i would be recommending the listeners to to try and take advantage of in their own leagues one of the things i noticed last year in a couple of my very competitive startups was that the prices that people were actually getting to move down were insane Right. So in order to trade up in these leagues, you had to give up a bounty that made it so even if you hit on your pick, your guy you were trading up for, you were still going to lose that based on the overall value that you were giving up. So I like to move down. I think that if you can move down multiple times, that will work for you, especially if you still stay young and then can use some of those picks to move back up in the middle. So let's say you move down in the second round, the third round, the fourth round, you're picking up extra value for 2022, for 2023, where you can continue to increase the total trade value that your team represents. But at the same time, that also gives you the ability to move back into your draft in round seven, round eight, round nine, where there are still some very good players. If you end up with essentially an extra guy in round seven, an extra guy in round eight, and you have two extra starters than your opponents, then that's where in these deeper leagues, if you're in a start 10 league and can get a couple of extra guys after that range that everybody is just so excited about, then you're going to be in a position to dominate. So I would move down then move back in and you know you could at one point in your draft have multiple 2022 first round picks and then later on in the draft have none because you've moved back in a couple of times that's the method that i like to use and has allowed me to put together these teams that are young and deep and you know that's the kind of roster that's fun to play because you're building which is always exciting but then you have the depth that allows you to compete right away and again to sort of build this permanent championship window that's what we're always looking at here we don't want to create a team where you can win in your window we want to create a window that lasts forever and so that's what we're looking at here and as we get into the beginning of the draft starting with the 401 this one is my pick on a team that went quarterback running back running back to start it was one of my only teams that has any running backs and actually has two running backs it has both jonathan taylor and jk dobbins already so I pivot to wide receiver here and go with Chris Godwin. Colin, we've had a lot of question about whether or not Godwin is going back with the Bucks. A lot of people felt like it was somewhat inevitable that he would leave since they have Mike Evans and have suggested that they want to bring back Antonio Brown. They have some younger guys in Scotty Miller and especially Tyler Johnson, who I think are pretty interesting emerging types of players. And yet, as the Buccaneers go for this back-to-back Super Bowl obviously something as Packers and Chiefs fans that we're rooting against as they go for this back-to-back Super Bowl they want every weapon possible at their disposal might even franchise Godwin here so I'm not 100% sure if it's a better fit in Tampa Bay or will be a better fit if he becomes the clear-cut number one on a different team we're looking at Godwin he's going to turn 25 this week He was the number two overall receiver in 2019. He's one of these guys who has this great mix between vertical ability and yards after the catch. So, you know, we have the speed guys, we have the vertical guys, we have the guys who can get vertical and have the size to take advantage of that, like a Mike Evans. And then we have sort of the underneath players, the Robert Woods, if you will, who can take the ball and really generate yards after the catch. The true stars often have this mix. Godwin brings that to the table 
if he stays in Tampa, you know, maybe the target share is limited, but he's in this explosive offense. The Bucks were coming on down the stretch last year, especially in games where they play a little bit weaker competition. We could expect them to score in the mid-30s, the low 40s on a fairly consistent basis. When they face better teams, obviously they're going to have to play the full four quarters so you get that element to it. My question with Godwin, he's still very, very young, even though he's played four seasons. And we saw that step-by-step progress through the first three seasons to end up at number two. But now that we're four seasons in, he's only actually had one season in the top 20. We can compare that to some of the other younger guys and say, well, his actual overall resume maybe isn't as strong as that number two finish in 2019 suggests. At the same time, we know that his 2020 was really marred by multiple injuries. And this could be a real discount for drafters if you look at what he did in 2019 and project what he's going to do over the next three or four seasons yeah i agree with that in terms of um you know last season there was multiple injuries he only played 12 games if we look back like you know on his game pace versus what he did in 2018 which would have been his second best season of his career uh, he had two yards less same amount of touchdowns this year as he did then um, and that was with playing two games less so i think this season if he played uh the the full the full selection of games would have been um you know a much much more positive season like he only played he missed out on four four weeks um which is going to add up to a lot like still finished the season with 65 receptions 840 yards and seven touchdowns so if he plays those extra four games he's over a thousand yards over 80 receptions uh, well even if we leave the touchdown where he is it's still gonna be a solid season uh the one concern about tampa is you named out the receivers there is so many mouths to feed in that offense Um, we've seen that with the patriots in the past where there's a you know they mightn't have the all-star names at certain positions but there's a lot of people getting a share of the, the workload uh, i think in terms of for his value um, a move away from tampa is probably um, the way to go if they do franchise tag him which the current reports seem to to be leaning towards um, I, I still think he's probably going to go and hit free agency next season. Um, so either this year or next year, he's going to move team. We all know about wide receivers moving team and the concern around that. Um, I think there's a lot of positivity around uh, Godwin, though, if he does move on from Tampa. Um, I think because you mentioned as well the combination of the, the yards after the catch and the downfield threat, it's not something that we see very commonly. Uh, I think that there also would help when he moves in free agency to have you know sometimes we worry about quarterback play and things around him but i think godwin's kind of a little bit of a, a jack of all trades where he can can do the different little bits and pieces to to still have uh kind of a lot of value in, in a multitude of different offenses so that concerns me a little bit less than uh with certain other players hitting free agency uh, just a fun story when chris godwin comes up here uh, I, I was moving some stuff out of my my parents house uh, over the weekend and uh i came upon uh a report from uh one of the first college games in ireland um in quite some time it was in 2014 it was penn state uh penn state against the the ucf knights and uh i was looking down through it to see which players actually ended up like you know making it in the nfl there was quite a, an interesting list of, of players but one of the players that uh, didn't have any impact that day was a, a very very young chris godwin so it was just interesting looking back down through it um obviously only only uh only a very very young college player at that time but uh, he was somebody who popped up in it uh brashad perryman as well was playing for ucf on the day so a number of interesting players um 
from from seven years ago almost now it's hard to believe but i think there's still a lot of a lot of potential and and godwin moving forward as a, as a valuable dynasty asset i think we could see him i don't know if he'll have you know the impact that Diggs had when he moved uh, this offseason but i think uh godwin has a lot of upside uh moving forward antonio gibson was the next player up sean at, at 402 somebody who i mentioned on tuesday's show has been in that kind of area that there's a lot of potential but there's also a lot of question mark and factors uh around how how the team feels about him and how much opportunity is there like how much rope is there for him to to have poor games before they start uh, switching up the backfield situation but gibson somebody last year who finished as an rb1 43 percent of the time uh, and an rb2 seven percent of the time so basically it's a, a 50 50 split between rb3 or more versus rb1 r2 which still is a very productive uh, season for him uh, as a rookie 14.7 ppr points per game through 14 games off the season finished the season though with uh, a couple of a couple of games missed and then three games sub 10 points so maybe we're getting a little bit of a discount on how the season finished up but are you expecting it to be that mid-season run where he was pretty much uh, in the high teens or, or high, uh, early 20s and then had that 36 point performance are you thinking that it's more of what we've seen at the end of the season with some of those lower scoring games it'll be interesting to see what they do at quarterback i think that will determine a lot of how washington goes in 2021 but it's almost impossible not to be excited about antonio gibson you mentioned the rb1 finishes five of those six finishes occurred in a five-week stretch between week seven and week 12 he did it five times in a row and at that point i did my first projection of the 2020 we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One first round, and I had Gibson in it, right? He then has the turf toe. Nothing much happens in a positive way for him the rest of the way. And that does create a discount here to the point where, you know, Blair and I have taken him multiple times in the third round of our best ball drafts. I think someone who, if he hadn't gotten hurt right when he did, would be a first round pick to get him, you know, even in the first half of the third round represents an incredible value. And I definitely understand why Sam took him here for his team. It's an interesting, I think, debate between gibson and the player i took at 403 and we'll get to that rookie or second year running back right after the break sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO21. That's RVRADIO21, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. So Colm, starting up again here with the 403, we just had Gibson go at 402. I took Cam Akers. He's the player who actually is going in the first round in a lot of best ball drafts. And I think the Matthew Stafford enthusiasm was one of the elements pushing him up. We saw that for a stretch there that the Rams were using a variety of running backs they were mixing things to the point where you didn't know who was going to be the weekly starter. They had stopped throwing to the running backs, which was sort of a devastating development after Todd Gurley had been catching a bunch of passes from Jared Goff early on in that offense. I'm optimistic we're going to move a little bit more back in that direction for 2021. And we saw in that stretch from week 12 to week 14, where Akers really put up the big points that he was going to be the guy for the rams and now that we have this offense where we have a creative offensive coordinator we have a legit qb in stafford we have a starting running back who's very clear this has the potential to be todd Gurley light in terms of the peak todd Gurley. and i think that when you're looking for players who could be running back foundation pieces for you that's exactly what we're looking for from week 12 on 14 points per game and one of the areas that you don't want to overvalue but i think is interesting is that his rushing fantasy points over expectation last year fell into the negative we see when running backs are drafted the following year that they can be hit a little bit by that but that the stat that actually gives us a stronger indication for their second season is actually the receiving fantasy points over expectation now acres wasn't used in the passing game a ton so we want to be careful about how much weight we're giving to that but his receiving fpoe was positive i think there's a chance that he makes a real jump now in so many leagues this is already priced in if we did this draft again just seeing some of the adp trends that have occurred just in the last couple of weeks you know we might be fighting to get him even earlier at the same time we've talked about how he really wanted those receiving pieces before this colin do you think the acres is going to be available at this point in drafts if you're looking at him say even maybe in a best ball league is he someone you're looking at in round one of a classic best ball if you're if you're asking me personally i would be saying no but i think there's a lot of people out there who are very much aboard the cam Akers train um i think his value at the current moment in time is higher than i'm willing to go um there's a lot of players in this range like we talked about at the start of the show and a lot of players even like 403 when this draft was done we may see drafts coming out in the next couple of weeks where he's pushed into that third round and there's just players in that uh in that area that i would be preferring to to pick up i think with acres there's 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 glimpses there's flashes but just on a consistent basis um 
it wasn't there had a had another strong pretty strong performance against the Packers had a, a decent playoff run for anyone that was playing in the, the playoff challenges but in terms of uh, this backfield I, th- I think Sean McVay after having Todd Gurley and you know how things went obviously they, they had a, a lot of success early on but I think he for me strikes me as somebody who wants to have that Bill Belichick backfield in terms of have four or five guys with none of them being the alpha and having them all have a strong role to play you know keep them fresh keep rotating I I just have a that's my Sean McVay take it might be turn out to be completely wrong but that also tempers my expectations for Cam Akers as a true workhorse which is going to then obviously lead to fantasy success so I think it's going to be a case that they have two or three running backs um and then they're going to, to kind of rotate those around. We've seen that consistently this year. We've seen that last year as well. Um, you know, and we've seen it kind of in that playoff run after Gurley got injured. So we're going to, I think that's the way the Rams are going to be built. Um, we're going to see, obviously, Matthew Stafford in there. Stafford has been a, a huge help to his wide receivers. So I think that's going to, to boost the uh, LA Rams wide receiver core. But I don't know how much it's going to boost um, Cam Akers um, moving forward. So I, I just have concerns about the, the amount of volume he's going to get, but I also have concerns then um, about basically this link to the volume. But the concerns are that the value that he's going at at the moment is higher than I'd be willing willing to pay. So uh, I, And I know a lot of people are going to just strongly disagree with that, but would you have similar concerns, Sean, about the usage, or are you not concerned about those? I think that Henderson is someone you want to get on your team's Blair, and I had a little bit of a debate about that. But I think that it's more a matter of taking the upside that would come if Henderson moved into a position where he became the guy. We don't necessarily think Akers will get hurt. We're definitely not rooting for him to get hurt. But this offense now looks like one that I think you want to have a part of. And Akers is a guy that if he were even a little bit less expensive would be on a lot of my teams. I don't have those same volume concerns. I just think that the running back in this situation is likely to be overvalued. But in drafts where he falls into a range where I can get him, I'm definitely going to snap him up. The next pick here, Aaron Rodgers. This is on one of Sam's teams that doesn't have a QB yet, but does have Dalvin Cook, Tyreek Hill, and Darren Waller, all players that he mentions could finish number one overall. I know that you like Rodgers as the guy who's going to be there for the Packers for quite a while, so I don't think there'll be any descent there moving to the 405 this is my next pick and next chance to get that running back foundation piece to go with these teams that are qb wide receiver tight end heavy i went with miles sanders which i think is a little bit of a controversial pick here we still have guys like nick chubb on the board who goes to sam in the next pick we still have players like derrick henry and ezekiel elliott who might have more value for 2021 sanders just a, a very mixed season in part because he missed four games and also because the philadelphia eagles on offense were an absolute train wreck but beyond that and sort of camouflaged by that is the fact that sanders increased his yards per carry from 5.3 to 4.6 now there are a lot of people out there who are not a fan of looking at this stat at all but again we want our running backs to be explosive we know that sanders has the tested athleticism the tested time to show that he's got that big play explosiveness but his on the field results because 4.6 already is an explosive running back 5.3 you've got to love what he can bring on any given play he increased increased his targets from 3.9 to 4.3 per game 
He didn't get those receiving touchdowns, but his rushing touchdowns doubled again despite the missed games. I think the thing here, and we and I made this pick just before we had the Carson Wentz trade. I think the question is what happens with a rushing QB? Because if we have a dynamic where the Eagles offense is a little bit more similar to the Ravens offense, and it's not going to be that extreme, right? And nobody is Lamar Jackson, either from the perspective of being that good of a runner or maybe that weak of a passer. But if the Eagles are essentially a less explosive version of the Ravens, then does Sanders become a less viable version of jk dobbins a player who already has some red flags that, that's my one question that i would have uh, with miles sanders is how does the the russian quarterback affect um the running back and we've seen this a number of times where it tends to be to the running back's detriment more often than to their success but you know the, there's there's also the possibility that we see um hearts you know more in the pocket and being able to do you know to, to be more efficient passer than maybe somebody you mentioned like lamar jackson and also see him then on maybe some design play so it just depends how the offense is built up the big thing is the way that his uh, statistics basically in terms of the those metrics that you mentioned improved year on year and he missed those four games the other part is this offense probably can't be as bad as it was last season um he's going to likely get more opportunities than he did last season hopefully he'll also be healthy but again that's not something that we can we can guarantee but i think that miles sanders has huge upside this time last year we were expecting the sun moon and the stars to come for miles sanders in terms of where he was going to be as a running back i don't think a lot has changed in my opinion off miles sanders from this time last year to now other than the fact that the Eagles season was a bit of a disaster and there's a new quarterback in town so the biggest question mark for me is how the Russian quarterback affects him Uh, it may be a case where it it actually helps him and opens up more holes in the run game if we can get an effective um, you know offense in play like when we're looking at Miles Sanders I, I, I personally would much rather have Miles Sanders than Cam Akers and the reason for that would be that I think that Sanders is going to be more of the true Belkow. I think he's going to get more of the receiving work and I think he's going to get uh, more of the carries which is going to be very positive a bit like the the Cam Newton effect though again when we go back to the the quarterback is those carries inside the 10 yard line do they start to go to to Hertz the way we see Lamar Jackson take those in as well for for Baltimore so that's the big question but uh, I'm still very uh, very excited about Miles Sanders moving forward in terms of the values at the moment at the running back position where they're going in drafts uh, i think sanders is one of those that i think is a is a pretty strong value heading into this season next up is another running back and it's uh, nick chubb uh, of the cleveland browns we've we've talked about this sean on many occasions nick chubb probably the best uh, pure running back in the nfl at the moment there is a couple of guys that maybe would challenge that but but chubb is like he's he's pretty he's a pretty graceful runner uh, when he gets out into space the the downside is always in terms of the passing game and how much he can be implemented in there if we look at him uh basically over the last two seasons in terms of his sample size uh, an rb1 on 43 percent off the occasions uh, an rb2 on 25 percent of the occasions so very 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 strong performances by him on a very consistent basis um again we do we do see him have those breakaway runs we do see him have uh, the goal line carries but we it's just like there's all it always feels like there's a little bit more left on the bone if we could get those receptions in there as well but cream hunt was obviously um in that role this past season 
in terms of the upside, Sean, still just 25 years old, but where, like, you know, we look at, you know, somebody like Kevin Stefanski is the head coach. We've had him linked in the past with Dalvin Cook for some of his big seasons um, back in Minnesota. Could we see Chubb get to that level, or do you think we're always going to be capped with the with the receiving game usage? It's going to be capped. I mean, the thing you're hoping for if you're a Chubb owner is for Kareem Hunt to get hurt, which, you know, nobody's rooting for that because this is a real player, uh, you know, a real person. And so that just makes it hard to make this pick here. We also know this is already the range, and Amir had a good article on it again uh, just a couple weeks ago looking at, you know, really where do you want to sell? And it's it's easy to say, okay, well, this guy is still in his mid-20s. He should have some years left. And one of the things that we do know is that from the running backs who go on to be stars and to have these big performances late in their 20s, that means that they have them late in their 20s, right? We know it's not that every single running back falls off the cliff. That's not the way that it happens. At the same time, when we're trying to manage our risk, it just gets very tricky here. I mean, Nick Chubb is basically Derrick Henry without even all of the rushing upside because it's not just receptions that Kareem Hunt is taking away. You think about this offense and you want to think about all of the different scenarios. So much of the time when we think about the Browns, we're thinking about this team that runs the ball at will and is going to score some points. We had them really emerge with Stefanski last year. We had Baker Mayfield uh, showing a lot of signs in the second half of that season. We're thinking of this as an explosive offense and it probably will be, but we also want to consider some of the things that, you know, led the Browns to the position that they're in, the struggles that Mayfield has had. You know, what happens if they have what happened to the Kansas City Chiefs, where, you know, you lose a huge chunk of your starting offensive line, then all bets are off. Now we can say that could happen to every player, but when we're looking at Chubb, we're almost looking exclusively at the optimistic scenarios when we value him in this range i think it's just important to make sure that we're looking at all of the scenarios that's not to say that i think this is a bad pick because in this range there's plenty of value there but i would prefer to go with even a more upside running back or just shift to a different position in the next pick i took dj chark i think this one is controversial because chark was so bad last season the question is was that him was it the coaching? Was it the quarterback play? And what's going to happen now with Trevor Lawrence in on this roster? We talked about on Tuesday that Lawrence may be the best quarterback prospect ever. We think he's going to be the first rookie taken in Superflex startups. What will the impact there be? Because last year what we saw is that Chark's air yards per target increased from 11.4 to 13.8. I mean, he's targeted more than two yards further down the field. But his yards per target dropped from 8.6 to 7.5. So we know that a huge number of these passes were off target. They were low value attempts, some of them possibly even throwaways. If you had Chark on some teams, which I did, and you watch some of these games, you're thinking to yourself, well, he's just, he's never going to catch a pass because the, the passes are nowhere close to him. And that hurt not only in terms of actually connecting on his air yards, turning air yards into actual yards. But it also didn't set him up to be able to catch and run. His yards after the catch plummeted from 345 to 165. The good news here is that you can kind of tell that so much of this was about efficiency, was about quarterback play. Some of the peripherals beyond that show someone who is still a volume player in this offense. One of the things that does worry me a little bit is there's a lot of rhetoric in Jacksonville about, okay, how are they going to add to their receiving core? 
I would really like to see as a fantasy owner of Chark and LaVisca Chenault for them to go with those two guys and to build around them as potential stars as opposed to bring in uh, some veteran to stall the progress. I mean, the last thing that I actually want to see if I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan is Allen Robinson returning. I mean, this is a guy who wanted to get out of there. And so, you know, I want to see these young guys go. I think this is a risky pick, but Chark, when we look at what he did as a second year player in 2019, the sky really is the limit. We could be talking about him as having increased in value by around a round and a half at this time next year and seeing maybe the kind of jump that we saw from a Tyler Boyd when we have Joe Burrow in place we can see an even bigger jump I think from DJ Chark I, I don't know really what Sean I can add to uh, I think you you took all my thoughts and you you said them very well uh, I think with Chark like last season uh, my my feeling is that it's going to end up being an, an anomaly you know Trevor Lawrence is the the key here to to turn things around. We look at the quarterback play from last year; it was not good from any of the the quarterbacks that you know filled in at different times. Uh, you mentioned some of the targets, you know, <laughs> some of the targets, Sean. I, I I am not a good thrower of the football, and I think some of my deep passes might have been accurate, uh, more accurate <laughs> from times last season than what he was getting. Um, the offense just like obviously james robinson had a very productive year but outside of that there was a lot a lot of issues on this offense and i think this year with the changes that are going to be implemented i think we can we can start to see them get more positive i think although for example last year the Bengals didn't really turn it around all that well from like a wins perspective but offensively they were much much better when joe burrow was in there i think we can see a similar uh, turnaround this year uh, if Lawrence is a, the quarterback in Jacksonville. So I'm still very confident in DJ Chark. As you mentioned, it is a risky pick, but it is a pick with a lot of high upside. And when we look at this fourth round, there is there is question marks around the guys that we've gone through today. And I think we're looking at this time next year, who is the guy in that second round or in that third round. And I think DJ Chark fits all the, fits all the kind of characteristics to do that. I think the, the question marks around him, can can change very very quickly and we can see him bounce back heading in to this season so so i'm still pretty confident in him i think just last season there was just so many different factors that affected it the big the big question mark and the big risk is if they make a splash in free agency and they take you know say juju smith schuster they take i can't see alan robinson wanting to go back to jacksonville after having already been there and left but you know if they take one of those kind of high-end wide receivers if a chris godwin goes into free agency gets signed by the jaguars for example that could that that's really going to affect him but i think there's a chance going into the season and you mentioned chenault as well I, ho- I hope they go with the two of those guys as as the leading receivers in this offense i think they can uh, have a lot of success there uh, next up uh, is austin eckler uh, long-time listeners to the show will know our feelings about eckler over the years was a, a zero rb candidate on a number of occasions uh, has been a phenomenal asset to anyone that has had them on their roster but last year spent quite a majority of that season injured the question marks going into it were with tyrod taylor and how that would affect his usage obviously then we've seen justin herbert and still question marks around how that's going to affect his long-term usage getting a little bit older now as well so quite a few question marks around it just running through the guys at the the back end of this round we do have noah fant as well um at 409 mike evans um at 410 then we also have Deontay Johnson and Keenan Allen rounding things out. So finishing it off with a, a couple of chargers. Um, Sean, when we look at it, there, there is, as I mentioned, with 
uh, Chark. There is question marks in this round. Obviously, it was talked about at the start of the show about the option to kind of trade back or trade out and pick up some of those extra pieces. So when we do look down through it, um, is it like my, my thesis on the likes of uh, Charker that when we look at next season, there's a possibility that he is taking that round, a round and a half jump. Um, when we look at the other guys then, you know, Fant could make the jump, but when we look, there's a, there's a couple of guys in there like an Allen, um, like an Eckler, who are probably moving down the rounds, more so for veteran age than what we're expecting them to, to fall off. But are you looking at it at this point of the upside um, rather than, you know, obviously talking about that window again, trading the player away in two years, what's the upside? Yeah, and I think that, as I make my picks in these rounds, I'm always looking at what are the scenarios that would allow the player to increase in price? What are the scenarios that would cause the player to fall in price? And how likely do I think those different things are? If you have someone like a Mike Evans, who's probably not going to jump in price, even if he has another very good year, then that's an issue for me, even though the very good year helps me win in the short term. I like to have enough overall value on my team that with the depth of starters, I'm not as obsessed with the current season. I feel like that will take care of itself. I want to continue to have more value as we go through. And again, this isn't to say that these are bad picks because I think that you could argue that these are sort of crazy value picks in the way. When we were talking about Austin Eckler there, one of the things I was thinking is he's been compared on the site uh, based on his profile to Alvin Kamara on multiple occasions. I think that that is accurate. We could see him kind of move into that range. Another sort of interesting name would be a Marshall Falk who when he went from Indianapolis to the Rams then became this greatest show on turf phenomenon. Eckler not changing teams, but he had that move from Philip Rivers to Herbert. They have the new coaching staff this year. The new coaching staff has said all of the right things in terms of getting the stars involved and getting them involved in the ways that they are best deployed. And so I think if you're an Eckler owner, you're excited about this potential that he could actually jump into the ultra elite. You look at Evans, a guy who's already there. You look at Keenan Allen, a guy who's already there. So you have these chargers who you know are going to deliver that value for you they're going to have a lot of value for you in 2021 you could win your draft right away in terms of some of these other guys though when we look at fant and one of the things you can do you can pull him up in the weekly explorer compare him to say tj hawkinson and you see that although hawkinson is going earlier in all formats that their resumes are very very similar we know now that hawkinson is going to have jerry goff we don't know who fant is going to have if the broncos are able to upgrade at QB, then all of a sudden those things flip. So again, pull up the Weekly Explorer, see how similar the two guys are. Consider the fact that Fant is really being drafted as though Drew Locke will be the QB. Now, maybe he will be. A lot of reports that if they can't get Deshaun Watson, that he will be the QB. I think that you know that definitely hurts him because Locke is not a quality NFL starter, but he's being drafted really closer to his floor as opposed to what would happen if they do get the QB change. So you have a very specific scenario already where he could jump in value. I think Fant gets that increase next year either way. And then at the 411, I picked Deontay Johnson. Johnson's someone, you know, I have this love-hate relationship with in that didn't necessarily have him on a lot of teams last year. And so when he's dropping these passes, I'm hoping that the targets will go to Chase Claypool, a guy I own. They'll go to Juju Smith-Schuster, a guy I own. But then when you do the reset and you're looking at someone who – he was number six in the NFL in targets, only playing 
in 15 games and only playing in 71% of the snaps in those games, in part because the Steelers had this deep wide receiver depth chart, and in part because he landed on the bench a few times with all of those drop passes. He was number 212 in fantasy points over expectation at wide receiver. Now, you look at Johnson, you look at some of the things he's done through a couple of years. Is it a possibility that his hands are that bad? It is. At the same time, someone who gets open the way that he gets open, you want to have on your team. They have some uncertainty there. If Ben Roethlisberger isn't the quarterback, you know that could could be a positive, but it could mean that they're sort of rebuilding, restarting next season. That would be a little bit of a negative. But with Juju Smith-Schuster likely gone, Deontay Johnson's opportunity to jump into the top five wide receiver in the NFL is there. I don't necessarily think it's the most likely thing, but again, we're looking at all of the different possible outcomes and how they would affect price and not just price, but scoring in 2021, we want to be looking at these guys who have a real chance to make the jump. I think Johnson is in that area. He's someone I would want to get on my team. He's also someone you could possibly trade back and get. So one of the things that listeners will notice is that, you know, we've now finished four rounds. Ezekiel Elliott, Derek Henry have not been drafted. Henry going in the middle of the first round in 2021 drafts ezekiel elliott tending to be in that running back seven range so still a lot of believers in him if you're sitting on the clock in these picks in the second half of the fourth round and you don't want those two running backs you're concerned that henry doesn't catch passes and that really all of the things that people brought up as red flags a year ago are still there if you're looking at ezekiel elliott and you're thinking to yourself okay the fact that his peripherals really fell off you know, and the fact that he was injured, that's not really a good thing. I mean, you look at players like a Le'Veon Bell, like a Todd Gurley, like a David Johnson. Was there any point in time that them being injured was a good thing in terms of what you're projecting for the next year? No, right? That doesn't mean that Elliot isn't going to be any good. I've got a couple of shares where I'm hoping that he'll be able to be back to what he was with Dak Prescott. I don't think that we should discount that as a possibility. When we're looking at the different scenarios, again, there's this real potential for him to go on that david johnson Le'Veon bell career trajectory at this point and i think that you want to really be careful when you're making these picks in dynasty startups but again if you can make the trades out of these picks let your other owners jump up and get them get a little bit of something back and then get these upside guys then you get both your cake and eating it too that's the perfect scenario for fantasy owners yeah really good stuff there sean and as always uh the part the article that we've talked about on today's show is up on rotaviz.com uh sam wallace has posted it up it does talk through all the picks we've talked about today but it does have some additional information in there that you can dive into but you can also check out the first three parts of it and you can also check out all the other great content up on the site if you want to do that and you want to get yourself a 10 percent discount you can just add the code rv radio 2021 at checkout or you can go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for additional information like the, the subscription to the site is worth it at full value, but if you can get it, save yourself 10%. That's just absolutely optimal. Uh, get yourself set up for this season. That's going to do it for today's edition of the show. As always, drop us a written and review on your favorite podcast app. It is much, much appreciated. Spread the word on social media as we continue to grow both Road of His Overtime and 
the Road of His Radio Podcast Network. My name is Colin Kelly. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Over to Marlin, and you can check out all of Sean's great work up on rotaviz.com. If you haven't checked out Tuesday's show already as well, we did cover some of the rookies and uh, Superflex draft format. Uh, check that one out. And until we're back next week with two more shows, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.